was I to know the necklace I gave her last Christmas was a Mexican pregnancy ball? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Allison Moo Jones. And we'll do a wrap about what we've been watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game on Girl. Allison Moo Jones is a hobbyist-turned-freelance comic book artist who lives in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She is currently working on launching her first web comic, Let's Kill Gods, which will go live June 9th, 2014. Wow, that's coming right up here. So thanks so much for chatting with us today, Allison. It's delightful to have you on the show. It's delightful to be here. Excellent. We're so glad to hear that. (laughs) So let's get started with some of our sort of basic background questions that we ask a lot of people who come on the show. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your gaming history. Um, Well, I've been gaming ever since I was very, very young. My parents, uh, I'm I'm the fourth of five kids, and my parents bought an Atari for my brothers and my sisters that are older than me. And I just, as soon as I got old enough, I could play that. So I was probably four or five by the time I started playing video games. And around that time, uh, Mario, uh, Super Mario and all that stuff had started coming out. And we were really into that kind of stuff. We couldn't afford all of it, obviously, five kids. Yeah. But uh, what we could afford, I enjoyed. (laughs) And where did you go from there? Did you sort of continue with console go- gaming um, as you got older? Did you end up with some PC gaming? Uh, for the most part, as a kid, it was all console. It was mm-hmm. all, um, like, I had my own Game Boy because I had a job and I was able to buy my own Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was great in high school. Um, I didn't have to share with my brothers anymore. <laughs> uh, but once I, got <laughs> once I got to about college, it, it really did swap almost instantly to PC gaming, almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of World of Warcraft. Um, I'd pretty much play any game that looked pretty. <laughs> like, I would try anything. Does that sort of relate to your art background, the wanting sort of the pretty aesthetic? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm an artist more than I am a gamer, but uh, as soon, if a game is pretty enough, I'll absolutely play it, even if I don't know anything about it. Like, uh, I'll play anything Double Fine makes because I just love the aesthetic that Double Fine has. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what they just did some really cool stuff with Broken Age. I backed that without even thinking, the Kickstarter, without even thinking, because I knew I was going to have to have this game. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason why I I bought uh, Don't Starve. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That game is gorgeous. It's beautiful. So I'm more into games that have a look to them. Like, I'm not into the Call of Duties. I'm not into the first-person shooters. But if you have a game that's beautiful, I will absolutely play it. Yeah, that makes a big difference to me, too. Sort of my ability to get lost in the environment is dependent on yeah. on how attractive... Oh, well, I'm, I like games that have unattractive backgrounds as long as they're well done. Like um, Left 4 Dead is coming to mind as I'm thinking, or Left 4 Dead 2, yep. at least. Still has I that... Can, I can super watch people play that game. I can't play it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm such a scaredy cat. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, really? that's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Is it that the horror sort of scares you, or just you don't oh, want yeah, to die? I am, I am so scared of stuff like that. It took me forever to get through uh, uh, The Last of Us. It took me probably like four weeks, five weeks to plow through it. Oh, that's funny. Because I, I loved it, but it it was so hard for me. <laughs> I have that with, like, sir, I don't like horror movies really at all. And I have that with, like... Um, if I watch something, I watch some scary stuff. Like The Walking Dead might be the most like sort of gruesome and gr- grotesque thing that I watch on a regular basis, but I have to not watch it before I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> or I have like it just it just automatically infiltrates into my brain and and I have zombie dreams and all kinds of crazy stuff going on and I can't stand it. So That's yeah. That's yeah. how that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I avoid those for the same reason. It's definitely been an acquired taste for me. Yeah, but you become more okay with it. Yeah, it's really weird. Interesting. Um, I mean, I, I love the zombie games. I love the zombie movies, and mm-hmm. I'm <clears throat> I'm still not a huge horror fan, but I definitely watch a lot more than I used to. And I couldn't I couldn't watch it before at all. Yeah, yeah. That, well, there are some like slasher things that are just I mean I I think are a waste of time just in general, but yeah. <laughs> it has to have compelling characters. If there's going to have the kind of gore that The Walking Dead has. I have to be compelled by the characters. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's Same. in games and in like movies. So. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. I, I managed to get through the Walking Dead game. I managed to get through. Uh, I'm playing a, the new one that Telltale's doing, the the Wolf. I just oh, bought yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I got through a little bit of the first episode. It's really good so far. Cool. It's yeah, kind of I the same thing. I have the Walking Dead games, and I haven't I haven't played them. A friend of mine gave them to me, and I that's that's part of the reason is like a lot, oftentimes when I have time to game, it's usually right before I go to bed, and I'm like I don't know mm-hmm. that that's what <laughs> yeah. I want to do right now. Is and I know they're story <laughs> driven too, which I know is going to get me oh, yeah. in that like heart beating. You know, you care about your characters and you care about who you're playing, and so I I've kind of avoided it for that reason too. <laughs> That game, that game's a feelings wrecker. Yeah, that's what I've heard, and that's that's uh, the other part of my avoidance. <laughs> it's really good. It's just it will ruin your life. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> it will ruin your life. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, like I'm I'm compelled to to. I, I really want at some point in time in my teaching career to teach a video games as literature class hmm. because I really do think that it's it's a, a literature based uh, experience. Oh, yeah. And and I think that the Telltale games are doing the best in sort of creating that kind of experience. But it, I'm just terrified of <laughs> 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 my own emotional response to it that I'm like, oh, eventually uh, this is going to be okay, I know. But <laughs> I'm not sure when. <laughs> well, you mentioned that you, yeah. you're... you're um, more into the art than you are the gaming tell me more about your art background because i've been i've been following your tumblr and looking at your art and it's just really wonderful oh well thank you um i started drawing when i was i started drawing seriously when i was about 12 or 13 um because i got hurt and uh i had to go into the hospital for almost nine months Mm. um i was an athlete before that but i when you can't move when you can't walk uh, you, you find something else to do I was already I was already okay at art, but that was when it really started becoming super important to me. Um, and after that, just I never stopped drawing. I mm-hmm. I've been drawing for I guess almost 15 years in that case. Um, most so when did you start hobbies. digital art? Digital art was a little bit after actually. I I think I got my first tablet when I was about 15 or 16 with my very first paycheck. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I I knew. I knew a girl on DeviantArt who had just bought one, and her art improved dramatically um, when she got one. And I was like, I want to do that. So I got a a tablet, and it did not improve me dramatically. (laughs) 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 I I almost stopped using it after like two months. But uh, I plowed through it, and now it's all I use. I I draw on paper sometimes for thumbnails when I'm doing comic work. But primarily, I use a beat-up old Intuos 3 for for everything I do. Hmm. And, uh, and paint tool what dye. was your favorite medium before you picked up the tablet? Uh, before that, I was actually a really big painter, and I'm I'm oh. trying to slowly get back into it. Interesting. Um, I played with a lot of uh, I played with a lot of watercolors back in the day because they were cheap and we could buy them at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm now I'm a little bit more into <laughs> now you're into what? I have a bunch of oils. I have a oh. bunch of a uh, gouache and. They're taking up space, and I'm trying to get start using them again. So I have a couple pieces I've done, but they're not great. <laughs> a little rusty. I remember a friend of mine saying that to me when she started painting again. That her sister had reminded her that when you when you start up again, that you you, you need to be okay with the fact that you're going to suck for a while. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so much easier to just throw away a bad picture digitally than it is to throw away like a bad picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh. Like, I can't just start over. I can't hit Control-Z yeah. and fix what I did. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about taking taking pictures with digital cameras. I'm like, mm-hmm. you take as many pictures as you want. You can, you know, do, you know, as many little tiny tweaks as you want. And, you know, you're not using film, so you're not, like, really throwing anything away. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Well, I'm excited yeah. to hear that your first webcomic's coming out. Yes. I have been working on it for about a year and a half. Nice. Uh, oh, it, was supposed, wow. it was supposed to launch about six months ago, and I ended up throwing away a big plot point, and I was like, I'm going to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it pushed me back a bit. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. That's a big change. So how much do you have done for, for when you launch a webcomic? How how like far in advance are you? I don't know how everyone else works. Um, personally, uh, I have 
a small buffer of about two months worth of comics okay. for me that mm-hmm. are just done. I could put them online right now. I could put them online right this second if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Not. Um, and before that, it was just a lot of world building. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just mm-hmm. a lot of, I worked at the time I worked 16 hours a day, two jobs. So just when I would come home, I would just do a little bit of work here, a little bit of work there. It was, I couldn't do any, but I could do, you know, some writing work or I could do some, some just world building nitpicky work. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's a fantasy comic. Um, and I didn't want to reinvent the wheel, but also I wanted it to have a flavor that was interesting and unique and that made people curious and want to dive into stuff and think about stuff. Yeah. Sort of that hook that, that grabs your reader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how, like I want them to see a dwarf and be like, well, what does that mean in this comic? Like I know mm-hmm. what dwarfs mean, but I think it might mean something different. And it mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Like my dwarves oh, cool. are, uh, yeah, my dwarves are more, they're more like mole people. So they're oh, a little bit nice. albino. They have teeth designed to eat insects and stuff. And it's stuff like that, that I worked out for the first year. Nice. Lots so what's your elevator description of uh, Let's Kill Gods? I would say it is a comedy fantasy. Um, comedic fantasy. Starring pretty much the worst main character of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's got some, some friends who are, who are less terrible. <laughs> who, who balance her out a bit. Hmm. And where are you going to uh, post the comic? Uh, I am still in the middle of trying to decide if I'm going to just put it up on Tumblr or if I'm just going to get a domain name, uh, which is why okay. I didn't get, get a link. <laughs> uh, well, for, well, yeah, whenever we find out, we'll make sure that we get the oh, link. Oh, yeah, I'm never going to shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is my baby. Everyone's going to have to deal with it. <laughs> oh, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just get me started about Game on Girl. Go ahead. <laughs> Like you've made a error. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to admit that the um, the way that I got to you was through um, an article that was linked. I believe it was on the Mary Sue to Ojoy Sex Toy about your comic strip uh, about Spectrum Slide. Oh, I didn't even know the Mary Sue did one. I saw uh-huh. one on Io Nine. Oh, maybe oh, that. Was, maybe it was- <laughs> Maybe it was io9. I read all three of them at the same time, and so I get them confused. Yeah, they blend after a while. That gave me a small heart attack. I was like, Mary Sue. (laughs) (laughs) So the io9 thing was really flattering and really sweet. I did make the mistake of reading the comments. (laughs) You did make the mistake of what? I read the comments. Oh, that's wrong. Yeah, Yeah, it's hard not to do that, though. Well, one time (laughs) you won't be. Will you not make that mistake again? Um, no, that it turned out pretty okay. Most of them were good. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of thought the idea of the spectrum slide was was pretty brilliant. So why don't you um, tell our listeners um, what it is and how you came up with it? Well, I guess for starters, I didn't super come up with it. I picked it up on Live Journal when I was about probably twenty, twenty-one, give or take. but a spectrum slide is basically an alternative to the really common term gender bending. And I think most people who are into geek culture know what gender bending is. Yeah. Um, when you take a character and you flip them so that they're not the same gender they were before. But a spectrum slide is a little less limiting. Um, gender bending has a, a really gross implication that sex and gender are inherently linked. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't like that. I don't think anybody, I think most people don't like that, even if they don't think about it. In like those that. terms, yeah. 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 Or with those words. It, it's always rubbed, yeah, it's always rubbed me the wrong way. But uh, I had a friend. I forget I forget where she grabbed it. But she was trans, and I think she grabbed it from a trans community who started using it just to, because it it covered two different spectrums, and that, that was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was probably Kingdom Hearts was her fandom at the time. So somewhere in there, somewhere, somewhere on LiveJournal. Someone invented the term, and I appreciate it. <laughs> and you thank them for it. <laughs> I do, and I've I've been using it ever since. And uh, it hasn't super caught on, even though I tried really hard to make it catch on. I don't I don't have a big enough fan base to make it catch on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's always what I use. I never say gender bending anymore. I always use spectrum slide. Hmm. Um, but uh, what was the second part of the question? <laughs> 
Well, it's, can you the 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 visual in your uh, comic is really good. Could you just explain how the oh, yeah. how it adds dimension? Oh yeah. Um, as a kid, I, I I did play a lot of video games, as I said, and um, back then all video games starred boys, mm-hmm. like pretty much exclusively. You played as Mario, you played as Luigi. I, I had one game where you played as a girl, and it was Super Mario Brothers two, mm-hmm. and Peach was the best character, far and beyond. Like, there was no no contest. Me and my brothers would fight over her um, when it was time to play the two-player mode. And uh, she she was just the best. And ever since then, I got kind of spoiled. Like, I wanted to be a girl in every game. Like, why couldn't I be? Uh, they didn't. It didn't make any sense to me that there wouldn't be a girl option. Right. Well, like, that should I, just be the default. Just, yeah, there, there should be an option. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, there is, thank God. Mm-hmm. But now, when you put a Pokemon game in it, asks you do you want to be the girl and i'm like well that wasn't a thing when i was a kid mm-hmm. like that when you played pokemon you played red who was a little boy in a little baseball hat and but uh that game i got that game around the time i'd hurt myself i had hurt my knee um so i was obsessed with the pokemon game but playing it i was really upset that i couldn't be a girl it was really hard for me to picture myself as the main character because he's not me Mm-hmm. But then I was like, well, he could be. Mm-hmm. He absolutely could be me. So I started thinking about this little teeny tiny sprite as being a girl. And I ended up just really falling in love with it. And I had mm-hmm. so much free time. I ended up just writing out little comics and uh, doing little fanfics and stuff like that. And it was dumb, but it was a good way to keep my mind off what was going on. And it, it just, it was nice. It was nice to have something that had me in it. Mm-hmm. Or you could put yourself in the story. Yeah, yeah. I I had felt pretty invisible as a kid. I'm I'm an openly queer woman, and I've known since I was about eight that I didn't like boys. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had already felt kind of detached from uh from the other kids in my class and stuff like that. And so having some place where I belonged was really important to me. Yeah, it's really hard in a heteronormative society. To especially at such a young age to realize something like that and not have resources or places you can go to see uh, images of people or stories about people that have that experience. Oh yeah, I and thought I was broken forever. Yeah, yeah. I've had I have friends who've who've said the same story. I have a friend, a uh, uh, male friend who's gay, who said, you know, he felt so much shame listening to a song on the radio that was sung by a male singer who he was sexually attracted to when he was like seven years old and feeling so much shame around it just instantly. And it's, it's, it's sad that that's the way it kind of ends up working out, but it's, it's good when you can find places like this and you can make it work for you and you can change the stories to be what you need them to be. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping eventually we won't have to change stories. We'll just have stories. Yeah. Positive. Well, you know, there's, there's, I think we're getting there. I, I agree. I think there's, you know, there's, there's definitely Absolutely headway that's there. been made and, and some, you know, it's becoming at least a little bit more mainstream for characters to have differing um, sexual identities than, you know, heterosexual, but it's a long road, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's how the, um, the, the, the spectrum slide helps add that second yeah. dimension to, identity is because you've got one slide that is defined for sex, um, whether you're a male or female, and one slide that defines gender, which goes from masculine to feminine, and Mm -hmm. they they are not connected. Right. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely independent of each other, completely. I think it's just... I think it's a useful tool for anybody. I think if you're a creator at all, you should absolutely look at your character and think, well, do they have to be a straight white guy? Mm-hmm. Probably not. There's probably no reason for them to be a straight white guy. Um, I mean, maybe he can be. Yeah. Maybe that is to him. Yeah. And that's yeah. fine. But if your entire cast is a bunch of straight people, straight cis yeah. people, maybe, maybe think about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Regina knows that the, um, the gender bending, at least with the um, the redrawing of stereotypical comic book females as male characters, has never worked for me. And the when I read your comic, the spectrum slide—I mean, it just went off like a light bulb. 
And there have been a few few other images that some people have done. And then Regina and I found um, that uh, gender mixer where it mixed the audio from a, yeah. a, a, a boy's toy commercial with the video of a girl's toy commercial and vice versa. That worked for me, too. That was that was just oh, yeah, dead I've on. Seen those. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen those. Those are those are cool. Yeah. That was, that was uh, really fun. Yeah. They're really great. Yeah. So it's. I, I like the idea around how that we're continuing to massage and understand the the idea and the issues behind the gender bending and what is it we're actually trying to communicate and not only that but but what is the positive difference that we're trying to make and to get people to understand and especially to me in the past few weeks some of the stories that have gone on that when when issues get really hot and contentious um to me the bottom line ends up being you know what w- w- let's find a ground we can all agree on because we really all want to be happy we all want everybody else to be happy so i don't uh, uh, the negative comments just kind of freeze everything and, and, and dissipates everything and it just makes no progress. So I like the positive um, exploration of this topic. Me too. Me yeah. Too. Yeah. I, me think, three. <laughs> like, uh, I like what uh, Adventure Time has been doing with it and stuff like that. Like they have a really good comic book run of Fiona and Cake and I think that's the way to go about it. I think give it some depth and give it some a positive light and you can make a parody but I think it's so much more useful when it's something genuine and it means something and it's clearly important to whoever's writing it. Yeah. I am. I'm thinking, um, cause I just saw another link for this. Do you remember Rhonda uh, a while back we talked about, um, I think it's a Tumblr where uh, an artist is taking, uh, little girls make better superheroes than you do. Remember <laughs> yeah. that one? Yeah. That oh, was, I've seen that. It is fantastic. I, I mean, it's just it fantastic. Cute. Yeah. And, and she, she'll take real pictures and then she creates, um, you know, drawings based on these little girls' costumes and sort of re re envisioning, you know, male superheroes into into uh, female characters. It's it's fantastic. It's just great the way it's done, and and the fact that it's inspired by you know real girls who are mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> putting a tutu on geeks. yeah who are little geeks who are putting a tutu on Batman or you know uh, Superman or you know whoever else there was you know a, a little girl Hulk and and those kinds of things. And that's one of my favorite sort of. I guess, you know, it would fall into the spectrum slide of playing mm-hmm. with that and, and playing with those stories and creating new stories with 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 gender yeah. and sex and playing with it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the reality is kids can identify with almost any other, any character. Right. At all. And they're, they're not seeing... Maybe, maybe I was... Yeah. yeah. I might have been a little selfish and wanted the character to be a girl, but I don't think that means it's impossible for me to identify with a male character and... I'm of the mindset that I don't think it's impossible for men to identify with women, female characters, even though people who make things for men seem to think that's the case. <laughs> yes, I think that's the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it says a lot about how stupid people think the male audience is, and I think, yeah. that, I think men should be offended. I think they should be, too. Absolutely. I think that should be, you know... They should really be up in arms about. They should be mad. <laughs> yeah, they should be mad. They should be mad like we're mad. <laughs> do any of you guys watch um, The Bachelorette? Mm-hmm. Guiltily, yes, I do. I have. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's judging you. <laughs> I know. She's she's allowed. She's probably one of the only people in the world who's allowed to judge me. <laughs> I was so mortified when I, I don't watch any of the shows, but that the, this the headline and the picture kept coming up that we're showing the bachelors um, stripping. Yes, yes, the last. It's really hit a low <laughs> this season. How uh, objectifying! It's awful. It's it's just absolutely awful. And and that was uh, I've only watched that one episode of this season, uh, which was the this week's episode with the the male strippers. And I just threw it on because sometimes I need background noise because mm-hmm. I, I work at home. Yeah. I, I just need I just need noise. And I remember a friend of mine telling me this years ago that he needed TV in the background as what he he equated it to your coworkers in an office. 
you just need a din sometimes when you're at home and you need to focus. It's weird. And I was like, whatever. I didn't work at home at that time. So I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And now I do it all the time. And so it's, it's a din. Yeah. Yeah, I have to have something sometimes going on to help me focus. And so I had put it on just to have something on and, and I wasn't really paying all that much attention to it. (laughs) And I look up and I'm like, what? hell is going on in this show i mean they're seriously like these guys are up Mm -hmm. and they're like firefighters or cowboys and they had a sexy robot dance and i'm like did i just walk into some alternative dimension where this was okay channel yeah (laughs) yeah it was it was disturbing so yeah i just i i i could see men men will not speak up i don't think about how objectifying that is and how that they're being treated and basically shopped. Well, I mean, if it was the other way around, if it was The Bachelor, the, the Bachelor, the show, The Bachelor. Oh, nobody would say anything. And well, well, uh, I, I don't know about that, actually. And and the women were asked to strip. I, you know. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. The women yeah. contestants were yes. asked to strip yeah. on the it, it would be, you know, it yeah. would be all over the news. Oh, my God, it can, you know, here they are. I mean, it's yeah. a show objectifying women and objectifying men anyway. I mean, who thinks they can really find love in these situations? I think it's ridiculous. But yeah. um, if, if the women contestants were asked, asked to strip, I think it would be it would be all <laughs> over the, the news is a bad thing. I think people yeah. would be up in arms about at least in the feminist community where we talk about how stupid these things are. Well, let's find out a little bit more about um, Allison's gameplay. Do you like a game where you um, have to build the avatar? Oh, yeah. I love that. I, that's my favorite part about some games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am, I used to play, like I said, I, I used to play World of Warcraft a lot. I've cut back because I have a lot of work to do, and mm-hmm. I, I would not do it if I had World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, but I was an altaholic, it, it officially diagnosed. I would just make new characters to make new characters. I had a couple I played a lot, but then I had a couple at level 15. I just really wanted a cute dwarf guy or a cute dwarf girl or uh-huh. a cute little blood elf dude. Like, I just, I like designing characters and so giving me a way to make them. So you'd play them in, in the initial levels, like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not terribly invested in them, but you'd have lots of different, yeah. That, I was actually during my dissertation study that I finally heard that term, altaholic. One of our, one of my people I interviewed was like, oh, I'm an altaholic. And I'm like, what's that? And she explained and I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it got, it got real bad. <laughs> I, a couple of them were higher level than others, but there's still, you know, there's just still these cute little characters I invented because they were cute. Yeah. But I'm, I'm the kind of person that, uh, I guess, I, I guess I'm more of a role player than anything. Um, I liked designing characters for the express purpose of giving them a backstory and giving mm-hmm. them a personality and coming up with the story. Just, yep. Mm-hmm. So it's, if I designed a character and it said something to me, I, I was much more likely to be attached to them and play them all the way through. And that's why I have a couple hunters at level 90. Right. Well, tell us, more tell than... us, uh, tell us a story about like one of the characters that you created. Uh, my first character was a night elf and uh, I was instantly in love with her because I spent probably about an hour designing her in the little <laughs> in the little thing. I picked out her hair color, I picked out her face, I picked out her markings, and and that I says never a lot her. because there's not a, fl- a lot of flexibility in WoW's oh, no, character creator. So not, spending an hour this means was back in the day too. Yeah, yeah, that's that that means a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I flipped through all the races and I was like, mm, not this one, uh, not this one. I knew I wanted to be a hunter, so that definitely brought it like, down a couple bit. Yeah, but uh. I designed her and I did not change her hair. I did not change her markings. Like I, she stayed the same the entire like. I designed her and that's what she looked like her entire four-year career as my main character. Mm-hmm. And it's just I got so attached to her. Like I I knew what kind of person she was. I knew what kind of alcohol she would drink. And my friends would make fun of me. They're like, "This isn't even an RP server. Why do you know these things?" <laughs> like that's just that's just the kind of person I am. I inherently create things around something that I like. Mm-hmm. That's just how I react to things. Hmm. So. I kind of love that. That's kind of awesome. I ended up remaking her on Moonguard for the <laughs> express purpose of our playing her. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. So I you had, had her. Yeah, go I ahead. Did. I had a place for her to be her. Uh-huh. That wasn't, you know, inconvenient for my friends who just wanted to kill bosses. Right. Because I also 
kill bosses. Let's be clear, I also like to destroy things. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes without saying for most of us. Yeah. To agree that, you know, yeah. blowing off the bad I wanted, day. I wanted the highest DPS, but I also wanted to know, just relax and mm-hmm. have a chat with a stranger on mm-hmm. World of Warcraft. Yeah. So yeah. how were your online experiences uh, gaming? Uh, for the most part, I would say my online experiences were pretty positive. Um, I had a pretty good guild uh, of people I already kind of knew, so I didn't get the I didn't get too much of the inherent gross misogyny you might get when you first get on voice chat and they first find out you're a girl. Um, most of my guild was girls, or at least female identifying. Mm-hmm. So it, that worked out really nicely for me. Um, I did eventually end up quitting the game, in part because I needed more time, and in part. Because I lost that group. They just mm-hmm. got bored of the game. And I I had really bad experiences with guilds. Where mm-hmm. finding out I was a girl was an issue. Oh. So at, I ended up uh, I ended up changing my main character from Ikuze, who was my, my night elf, into a male troll druid. And I claimed I didn't have a mic. Uh. And I couldn't talk. Yep. I, I you opted out. Yep, I lied to people for the express purpose of them never knowing I was a girl because it became such an issue. Wow. So yeah. what it, when you say it became an issue, are you saying that they I, didn't want you to be part of the guild or? Oh, no, it was it was more of a trying to give me presents, trying to get on my good side, offering me officer roles. And I was like, no, I, I know where this is going. And I've seen I've read the horror stories. I was a part of a live journal has a really good community. I don't know if it's still active. Um where it was all ladies who played Worldcraft and they had shared some of those horror stories that they got. And it always started like those. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get stalked on Facebook because some guy knows I'm a girl and not having that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> not having that. Yeah. So that's, I, it's, I, it's interesting. Cause there was a, a piece that NPR did about, um, online harassment in games, um, a couple weeks ago. And that was one of their options for how to deal with the harassment. Oh, yeah. Was just, just pretend you're not a girl. Pretend you're not a girl. <laughs> like, and was, that, that sucks that I have to pretend I'm not a girl. I, yeah. I wasn't used to that. Well, yeah, I mean. I was I, never used to that. Here, here you have to compromise your identity so that you don't get harassed. It's not the harasser's issue or that people should learn no. to behave better in online games or in online interactions. It's not that. It's that you need to change, you know, who you are and who, how you identify. And and I can oh, understand yeah. it. I mean, I'm sure you had a much easier time off mic and, and having them just believe that you were a guy. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it sucked, though, because yeah. I, I like making friends. I'm a mm-hmm. very social person. And I couldn't make the friendships I normally would. Like, I just had to keep my distance. Mm-hmm. So it just ended up being really superficial, and it wasn't fun, and I couldn't hang out in voice chat, and so I got bored of the game and eventually quit. And yeah. Well, now I kind of miss it, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I have that. I sort of kind of miss it experience of World of Warcraft as well. Um, you get nostalgic for it. You do get nostalgic for it, and I was very attached to my main as well. And you know, and I miss being able to play her. But and it's funny because I started playing Hearthstone, and the oh, yeah. sa- the sounds <laughs> are are the WoW sounds, and the music is some of the tavern music. Yep. And I'm like, oh man, it's, it's really monstrous for your feelings. <laughs> it really is. Seriously, I'm like, oh, I should go back and play WoW, and I'm like, oh, what did I just say? Like, what? Uh-oh. Really? I've done that like 20 times. I had to put Hearthstone down for a couple weeks. Yeah. So I was like, I can't. It's, I'm going to start playing World of Warcraft again, and I yeah. can't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, I, I, I don't understand why <laughs> this is having quite such a powerful effect on me. But it really was. I was like, oh, I want to go like back and play this. Ocean. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just that, that sudden, like, visceral attachment you have to it. I was like, oh, I want to. And I'm like, no, you don't. You really, you don't have time to play WoW. You know you don't have time to play WoW. And I have the same thing. You know, my friends have fallen out of favor with it as well. So I wouldn't have the same experience that I had the last time I was playing either. But <sighs> it's a bad gateway. <laughs> well, I uh, did you have a chance to type the uh, gamer quiz on our website? I did. I did. I did take a look at it. I did. I have I a guess. I, I don't think it. Do you? <laughs> I, I do. Like to know your guess. I think. I think your role play and self. I'm thinking are your, your two highest. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. They were. They were. 
I thought it was. I, I would have bet money it was going to be mastery and role play, but it was role play itself. Yeah, interesting. Like I would have bet money because I'm I'm so competitive when I play a multiplayer game, but when I play a solo game, I, and that's mostly what I play, I almost always put my my who I am into the character, mm-hmm. even if it is a for a role play aspect. Yeah, but uh, all my characters are secretly me <laughs> in some way. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how that is. I yeah. think that's true for anyone who creates anything. Yeah, I think I'm a little like that too. And for it was interesting because um, when I was working on the dissertation, and I I had never really thought about creating the characters in my likeness, but I realized that that's what I had been doing, especially when I was oh, yeah. playing World of Warcraft. And and then I started gaming with people who are more mastery players, so I sort of got tugged a little bit more toward the mastery, and I still am to a degree a mastery player, but. Only with certain games, like certain games I really want to master and I really want to be good at. And other places I really just want to go in and be able to play. And um, and then that's that's kind of the difference for me. It's like, oh, you've got to, you know, I can accept this. But there's always something. Rhonda's talked about this and we've talked about it in Borderlands 2 when you can't, you can't actually change your avatar. But you can change the colors of the gear that you wear. And that's part of how you sort of like create that signature of who you are when you don't have the flexibility of uh, custom creation. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely more of a self and role player. Um, mastery really only came, ever came into play in World of Warcraft. To be yeah. Perfectly frank, where I had the competitive. Yeah. I was very much in PvP and stuff like that, and that's really the only place where I, I it was really important to me that I be really good at the game mm-hmm. because other people relied on me, I guess is really what it was. Yeah. I want to let anyone down. Yeah. I didn't do PVP a lot in world of Warcraft, but I wanted to get to the point where I could raid and yeah. I wanted to get the gear and I, you know, got into the grind where I went in every day so I could do the random dungeon finder and get the points to get the best gear and get all that, you know, get into that whole loop and that's where you get sucked in and you have to play all the time. <laughs> dailies. Yes, dailies. Oh, God. Oh, God. I will not go back. I will not go no, back. You can't. You can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> but I am primarily a role player and a self. I play. Most games I play nowadays are I play uh, 13th Age and Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. That's mostly what I do these days. Because mm-hmm. I get to talk to my friends and I get to just kind of joke around and i also get to be a character right who who are all very much like me yeah so you kind of get the best <laughs> of both worlds well you know it was really looking at the at the comic and and how you worked the spectrum slide that that made me think that you were role play and self um because I you were you were taking the fanfic and making stories based on the characters whose genders you were changing genders and sexual oh, yeah as a with. kid i was definitely i was definitely much more much more blatantly putting myself into a game. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had no issue being the self-insert Mary Sue. I was, you know, 13 or 14. It was just for fun. Nobody mm-hmm. saw it. Right. Nowadays, you know, that's a little embarrassing. I'm 28 years old. <laughs> 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 you got to be more subtle. You got to be more subtle about putting yourself into stuff. I <laughs> got uh, like, uh, nobody. I haven't told any too many people this, but, uh, the only person who knows is my best friend who I talk about my comic with a lot. Um, the main characters from my comic, all three of them are characters I've played in D and D. Oh. I just I, the groups I stopped playing with just I moved and we couldn't talk anymore and stuff happened. Uh, but I I still love these characters. I was so attached to them. I ended up just keeping them and using them, and they still had adventures in my head. So why not make a comic out of it? Right. Sure. Why not take that creative energy and put it somewhere? So they're That's all fantastic. three very different. Very different characters, very different ladies, but uh-huh. they're all me in some right. way. Yeah. In some manner. Oh, that's fantastic. I love I love that. Thank you. Gaming really can be a very, you know, a place of, of creative agency, which is, I think, overlooked a lot of times for people. So. I think so, too. Yeah. So, too. Yeah. Well, I, let's... I, I'm, Go ahead. I'm, I'm of the mindset, however people need to create something, they should create something. Uh-huh. I don't think it matters. It's something dumb and just for you and it's fandomy and silly and i think if you're creating something that, that has a lot of value yeah regardless of what it is yeah absolutely and and it's important i think we underestimate the the potency of creative outlet and how how important it is to people's lives to have something or some place that they can creatively express themselves and absolutely 
if gaming is where that comes up, that's fantastic. If it's, you know, fanfic or whatever else it is, if it's how you, you know, garden or how you decorate your house or whatever else it might be. Yeah. Those are all Allison, valid. have you heard of the, um, the Kickstarter, uh, Storium? I think, I think I saw a retweet of it, but I didn't click it. It's an online storytelling game. Uh, maybe I shouldn't tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear how excited I am already. (laughs) No, Uh, I I haven't really looked into it. um, I've been playing it for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I've been playing it for a couple of weeks. And um, I have the team I'm on right now. It's a team of four, counting the narrator, I believe. And then I started a new game this week with some different friends. But it is a back and forth. There are playing cards online. Uh, There's a narrator who sets up the story. And then each player plays cards and meets challenges. They create their own characters. But when you guys were talking about the need to create, this is almost entirely about writing. I mean, storytelling. that's what it sounds like. But whenever the narrator for my first story set up the situation. It's a steampunk story, kind of swashbuckling kind of thing. A a character immediately came to mind and I had to draw it. Mm -hmm. I just, I had to. And so I drew it and I scanned it in and I didn't know whether or not that I could upload an image or anything or not, but come to find out I could. So I had my, my image of this character. Well, We're in the middle of the story, and we've all run across some questions about, well, now, where is this island supposed to be? So I was like, we need a map. (laughs) (laughs) There's nowhere to post it, Storium, just hint, hint. (laughs) But I I created Mm -hmm. a map, and I emailed it out to everybody. It's like, here's our map. We can go from here. (laughs) I couldn't help it. It We all know we're going west. Yeah. But it was, I just needed to do that, you know, so. That's funny. Yeah, check it out. Storiums. It's, it's, um, it's. That sounds relevant to me. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's ask the big question, shall we, Rhonda? Yep. (laughs) So this was the question I started the research with, um, and we we do it at the end now to not sort of offset people. It made people more nervous, I think. (laughs) So how would you define a gamer? How would I define a gamer? Well, I think a gamer is anybody who just enjoys games. Like, I don't think, I don't think you need a definition that's too too much stricter than that. I mm-hmm. think that's silly. Um, anyone could be a gamer. Anyone who plays a Facebook game is a gamer. Anyone who enjoys Pokemon and that's the only game they play on their DS, their mm-hmm. DS is a glorified Pokemon machine. They're still a gamer. People who play games. Yeah. People who take the time out of their day to do something interactive and fun, and I think I think that's really all there is to it. And do you think all those people consider themselves gamers? Um, probably not. I, I can't imagine that they would. I yeah. think other people have definitions of gamer, and maybe it's maybe they want one that's included that is more inclusive and includes them, or maybe they want one that's kind of exclusive and excludes people who right. only play, you know, Candy Crush on their phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, I don't, I, th- I guess it really all depends on the person. I. I'm not going to force a label onto somebody that they don't want. But. Yeah, absolutely. It's just interesting for me to think about, you know, people who embrace gaming and who are willing to call themselves a gamer. And then the people who, you know, play Facebook games all all day long or all the time, um, who open secondary, you know, accounts so that they can gift themselves the boost <laughs> that they need in whatever game they're playing. Because um, I've known several people who've done that. Um, but who will not call themselves a gamer because they don't see that as they don't want to be identified with, I guess, the kind of subculture that comes out of gaming. Yeah, there is definitely a subculture that's not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and definitely. I I do not blame anybody who wants to distance themselves from that. But mm-hmm. I think for the most part, gamers are just people who are passionate about games. Right. Yep. yep. I agree. Well, Allison, this has been really really awesome. I always love talking to artists anyway, but. Um, we will be sure and put um, links to all of your stuff on when we post the, um, the interview. And we'll also be in touch and let our listeners know when your web comic comes out, because we're all now very excited. Yes. I'm about, so excited. Now that we know more about the characters <laughs> yes. and everything. Make sure to keep us up to date about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I said, I'm never going to shut up about it. 
Yes, it's good. my baby. Yeah, absolutely not. I totally understand and and support you in that. <laughs> well, this is our wrap segment where we talk about what we've been watching, reading, and playing. And so, Regina, what have you been watching lately? I started a show that was recommended by our intern, Isabella. Um, it's called Lost Girl, and she talked yeah, about heard of that. yeah she talked about it on our uh, female friendships episode um, because Bo and Kenzie were the two I think that she said she really appreciated their friendship and it's on Netflix at least the first three seasons are on Netflix and uh, the basic idea is that the main character Bo is a succubus um, she's a, a fae so you know a fairy of sorts and uh, she has to feed off the sexual desire of humans and at the start of the first season uh, she doesn't know that she's a succubus or that she's a fae mm. she as was raised as human and didn't understand what was sort of going on with her and what she was experiencing and um, and so it goes through kind of her her the first season goes through her discovery of herself and um, and all that kind of identity information. So it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, um, it's got a lot of quippy kind of witty lines that are the kind that make you kind of, you know, burst out with like a <laughs> kind of laugh. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that humor. Sometimes it falls really flat. So, but sometimes it's, it, they get spot on with the singers. So those have been enjoyable to watch. Um, and it's an interesting play on kind of the power of female sexuality that it's actually, she needs to devour sexuality in order to, to live. Mm. So it's interesting kind of, kind of story and, uh, good, some good characters. Um, and I've watched a couple of movies. Um, embarrassingly enough, I had never, ever watched say anything. <gasps> well, at least you have now. So now I have, I've watched it. I knew it. I knew kind of of the story I, you know, and, and I knew of course at the epic, you know, moment where he's holding the boot yeah. box out and everybody knows that one. Um, uh, but I finally watched the whole thing. And then I watched a movie with, um, Oh God, the guy who plays Batman, uh, who plays Robin in the new Batman movies, um, Gordon something Levitt. Uh, Gordon Joseph Levitt. Yes. He wrote and directed and starred in Don John. Yes. Have you seen it? I want to. No, I want to. It's what did on, you think? It's on Netflix now, so you can watch yes. it on Netflix. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed okay, it. Okay, good. Um, it is unlike any, you know, kind of other story. So, you know, the basic premise of Don John is the main character is uh, addicted to pornography. Yeah. So um, that creates a very interesting... Um, thing to talk about because a lot of it is him sort of talking about the pleasures of porn, at least in the beginning. So yeah, you'll have to check it out. I'll be curious to see what you think. Yeah, and he play he plays um, opposite Scarlett Johansson. He does play opposite Scarlett Johansson, and um, Julianne Moore is also in it. Ugh, I love Julianne. Yeah, Moore. and she's great. She she has she doesn't have a huge part. It is a main character, but it's not a it's not in the whole movie. But um, she's really good. She's really good, and it's it's really cool. interesting. And I really liked um, um, Gordon Joseph Levitt in a different character and seeing him mm -hmm. like he just embodied that character. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, kind of the, I don't want to insult the Barrows, but I think it was Brooklyn um, that he's from, but he just kind of gets in that kind of New York Catholic Italian guy mm -hmm. thing. It was kind of, it was awesome. And Tony Danz is in it too. Yeah. That, that um, is what captured me about the, the trailer mm -hmm. is how he embodied that character. Yeah, like you, you're just like you're Robin, right? <laughs> I mean, that is the guy who played Robin, right? And yeah, no, but it's really not. He really just kind of takes. He really does take it on. So yeah, yeah. All right. So what have you been watching? Um, well, the one thing that I finished season one of Ripper Street, which is a BBC, BBC America show. Um, if you remember. Uh, Pride and Prejudice with mm -hmm. Kira Knightley. Yeah. Um, the actor that played Mr. Darcy, Matthew McFadden, ah. uh, is the lead on Ripper Street. Mm -hmm. It is a very um, gritty, dirty um, period piece set just about um, a few years after Jack the Ripper. Okay. And um, the uh, detective inspector, Edmund Reed, uh, along with a couple of other main characters, 
are the detectives in Division F, I think, Division F or H, which is a, a lower class division of the city of London. Mm-hmm. And they just solve all of these really heinous crimes. And it's just, it's fascinating, uh, partly because the characters are extremely well-developed. B- BBC Seat just seems to do a great job at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Even do. though there's a lot of action, a lot of grit and gore going on, there is so much depth um, in these three characters. Um, there really isn't a female lead. The, probably the only complaint I would have, and I actually would have a hard time doing it, the, the only women that are really involved in the show are either prostitutes or having affairs with these three men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's not great, is it? No, but it, it's, it's extremely subtle, and they, they do make it clear as to why this type of thing is happening. I feel like partly... They are sticking with the period mm-hmm. um, because they have one episode with a councilwoman who is trying to get elected and how much of an uproar that is and how much she's being fought because the basic argument is you're a woman mm-hmm. and right. you need to shut up. Right. This isn't your place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have an episode about um, uh, homosexuality and discrimination with it. I think as, as far as sticking with the period, they, they're balancing a, a really nice line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it was uh, a uh, pe- uh, a male-dominated society. Yeah, an era. It's an era where that yeah. well, that would be all that you would see. You wouldn't see women working, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, uh, we just finished watching season one of Hannibal, uh, which I really don't like. Um, I read a, a spoiler, I think season two just ended actually on the network, and I read a spoiler from uh, a website that said that they're afraid that it's got the Hannibal Sue thing going on. And that's kind of what I'm already feeling, is that um, they've created this completely unrealistic character that never does anything wrong and mm-hmm. doesn't ever get caught, and I just, I, I can't hang with that. Yeah, yeah, because it just becomes so unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been reading? I've been reading uh, some real like serious throwback material for me. Uh, I picked up or actually I I unearthed my copies of Shel Silverstein's Where the Sidewalk Ends and A Light in the Attic, um, which are some of my favorite books of poetry. And I don't spend a lot of time reading poetry uh, unless I'm teaching poetry. So I, I came across these and I was like, you know, I'm going to go through these again. And I've been really enjoying sort of kind of the flashback of going back and looking at and and remembering the poems and when I was reading them as a kid. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Have you read any of his stuff? Uh, I don't like poetry. You don't like poetry. <laughs> this is very silly it, poetry. So. <laughs> okay. I, there is very, very little poetry that I I could get my head wrapped around yeah. when. When I studied literature, it just didn't. Yeah, it it, it just didn't make for me. It is definitely an acquired taste. The the literature book I teach my um my intro to literature class from does a great job of breaking it down and making poetry more approachable. Um, nice. And it's I really didn't even love poetry until I read that textbook myself, and that was when I was teaching it. So until I started teaching poetry, I didn't I didn't really have that love of it. But um, it's funny because. I often complain when I'm teaching creative writing about getting rhyming poems from my students <laughs> um, because they always have kind of a hallmark cadence to them. It's awful. All the Shel Silverstein poems are rhyming and I love them. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So what have you been reading? It's, it's sort of like jazz. I it think. is. Yeah, kind of. Absolutely. You have to kind of be into it, like like who it is who's creating it, I think. Well, I've been trying to get ready for uh, UtopiaCon, which is coming up in June in Nashville, uh, which is um, a con geared toward women, for women, about women writers, um, very, very specifically in young adult and new adult science fiction and fantasy. And they have put out their award nominees. They take nominations from uh, the general public about who should win in the various categories they have, and they've posted the nominees online. And so I thought I would go through and try to read some of the books. And one of the ones I'm reading is Clockwork Angel by Cassandra Clare. Mm -hmm. I've read that. (laughs) 
have you it's really yeah. i'm really I, enjoying i it. love her i you need to go back and read the series that comes before it um the mortal instruments um oh okay because uh, this is the backstory to that story so she started kind of in the middle and then this story clockwork angel because i was reading clockwork prince remember um uh-huh. i mentioned oh, that yeah. yeah that's the third book in the clockwork um series which are the infernal devices is what that series is called so yeah She's great. So you think I should go back to that before I finish this series? No, I think I, you can finish this series. And I haven't finished Clockwork Prince yet, but um, okay. you can finish this series and then, and then because you'll be going in order, because then you'll be reading oh, about okay. the, the story in order as opposed to, it was kind of uh, Star Wars-like where they started yeah. in the middle. Yeah. She started in the middle of the story, and then this is the, the, the generations before. So, okay. yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's cool, but she's a great, I really like her as a writer. I think she's really great. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, the character Tessa, I'm hoping gets a little stronger. She does. Because, like, yeah. Okay, good. Cause yeah. right now I feel like that she's just being pulled around everywhere. Yeah, she is, she is manipulated very much, especially in that first book. But, okay. um, by the time you get to the third book in the series, I think you'll really like who she's kind of become. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah a good story well have you been playing anything i've been playing a new game um i I, i've played fairway solitaire before and talked about it on the show uh so fairway solitaire has a new version a social version called fairway blast and i have been playing that truly a blast okay i don't remember uh fairway solitaire fairway solitaire was um it's a it's a solitaire game like based on uh, golfing and so you play holes oh yeah rounds and i i found it at pax a couple of years ago and um, uh, there's a gopher that makes fun of you when you lose. <laughs> who's on? Who's on Twitter? Uh, Gusty McDivitt is his name. If you want to follow him, um, oh, okay. and you can talk to him, and they, they, it's actually a really funny uh, Twitter feed. And that's actually how I found out about it because they were talking about Fairway Blast on on Twitter. So yeah, it's really fun. So Rhonda, what have you been playing? Well, besides the wonderful game that you gave me, Brave New World expansion. <laughs> We also recently bought, it was back in mid-May, The Tesla Effect, which is a Tex Murphy adventure. If anybody remembers those, um, that was a uh, big uh, memory boost for me. What what am I trying to think of? Um, Nostalgia. Yes, thank you. Yep. Um, it, that series, the Tex Murphy series, is some of the first games that my husband and I sat down and played together. Ah. And so there's a whole lot of memories involved. I remember with you us. talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. early, early in in the show, you mentioned them. Yeah, yeah. And on the um, social media, some I saw someone tweet that there was going to be a new Tex Murphy adventure, and it came out. The weekend of our anniversary. Oh, how awesome. <laughs> so we bought it and we sat down to play together. Oh, and that's it was fantastic. It was just, it was great. The way that they, um, they, they played back to all the previous adventures and it, it just was really cool, the memory. And, yeah. and then I mentioned earlier um, that um, to Allison mm-hmm. that I've been playing Story on. Right. It's just, it's fascinating. And even though the Kickstarter is closed, um, they are still accepting beta memberships. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is, I think it's it's like 10 bucks and you get the beta membership and you can go in and play. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so, I still need to check that out. I know you mentioned it before and I, I haven't had a chance to get to it. Yeah, it is a time suck. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Well, I might be avoiding it for right now. <laughs> yeah, it is huge, yep. huge time suck. And then I don't know how it happened, but the rabbit hole to Candy Crush opened up again. Oh, and I'm in it. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, won't, oh, well. I won't go near that game for that reason because I know. I see yeah, what it's just... done to good people. <laughs> Well, that's how we've been geeking out this week. Be sure and let us know how, what you've been watching, reading, and playing, and maybe we'll uh, we'll pick up on some of that stuff. You've been listening to Game On Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website, gameongirl.com. I'm the guest ho- I'm not the guest host. I'm the co-host, <laughs> Rhonda Oglesby. 
I'm on Tumblr and Instagram, and you can email me, Rhonda, at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known everywhere you might want to find me. A huge thanks to Allison Moo Jones for joining us on the show today. What a fantastic interview. Uh, Great time. Uh, Make sure to check out her Tumblr and her Twitter feeds, and we'll have all her links up with this episode as well. So make sure to check that out on the website. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, gameongirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on! Game on!